From Women, Food, and Agriculture Network, I'm Ash Bruxford, and this is the Plate to Politics podcast. Plate to Politics is WFAN's nationwide effort to support and strengthen the leadership role of women transforming our food system, from the federal agriculture policy agenda to what's on our family's dinner plate. This podcast provides audio leadership training to women engaged in healthy food and farming. You can download the resources mentioned in this podcast at wfan.org slash plate to politics. On this episode, we have Danielle Adams, who is on the Durham County Soil and Water Conservation District Board in Durham, North Carolina. Danielle was Jenna Wadsworth's mentor, and we interviewed Jenna in another episode of this audio leadership training program. So I definitely encourage you to check out both of these women sharing their experience in serving as soil and water commissioners or soil and water supervisors. I will preface this episode um, with an apology that there is a little bit of weird audio at a couple points in this recording. I did my best to edit out uh, what I could, but also didn't want to take out everything because Danielle had so many important things to say. So I hope that you will uh, bear with us and listen to her amazing story. So when I ran for office, I had an unconventional start. And it didn't, I know, for me, it wasn't a tough ask in the beginning because I ran for the seat my mom had. And in my mind, it was like, oh, if my mom had it, then I can have it. <laughs> so it wasn't a big uh, transition or a big leap or something that seemed unattainable. My mom, from the time I was four years old to the time I was 16, was an elected official. Um, and when I was in college, I decided to run. And I honestly didn't think I was going to win. Um, but it didn't matter. The running just seemed like a thing that we, I could do. And when I did win, um, I was really happy about it. Um, and I got exposed to the larger world, not just my board, and that it was something that was isolated to where I was from, but then I became a collection, a part of a collection of almost 500 other folks who were doing the same work, and I was the only young person and the only black woman in that whole group of 500 some odd soil and water supervisors across the state, and I got really lonely, and I had zero allies, and I was shut down. And I thought, I don't like this. I know a lot of people who are <laughs> qualified to do this and more qualified than they think. And we have to change this room. Like, I can't survive if I don't have an ally in this room. And I knew folks like Jenna and who were really engaged in Democratic Party politics and other forms of, like, activism who I don't think ever thought like, oh, who like, or who I believed at the time were only thinking like, oh, you got to be governor or state rep or city council. 
And I was like, hey, <laughs> you should totally run for this thing with me. The cost to run is only five bucks. Like, we can totally do this, and you will win. Because I promise you, no one else is going to know how to run a sophisticated campaign. And I can tell you how to run a sophisticated campaign and what you need to talk about and what our programming is and what impact you can have um, if you were to do this. And yeah, at first it was really just like, I don't want to be alone, so I got to find other people to come with me. Um, and as time moved on, I'm now in my 11th year of serving, it was just like, there is just a complete different way that women especially govern and if I it's not just about me not wanting to be alone it's now about how do we change the landscape and get things done and the only way I know how to do that is to bring other people with me and to make sure that they're in the room and making the decisions and for me that meant a continuing process of encouraging women um, to run and especially when it came to agriculture, soil and water, conservation, our planet, our climate, being like, you have to be in the room because the other folks who are in the room are not where we are. Um, and that was, has been my <laughs> operandi modus or whatever it is. I'm not going to use Latin words, but it's been like my main motive for almost 12 years now just to make sure that like now that I'm not alone in the room now we need the power to make things happen and that still means we need more of us. So I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about like why would somebody want to run for this position specifically? So there are lots of different reasons to run for soul and water and it, it started out of this desperate need during the Dust Bowl era when we were just turning over our our crops and our soil and our precious resources were dissipating in front of our eyes, right? Our topsoil. And especially coming out of North Carolina with the soil conservation district wise, this idea that we had to reteach our ag community how to do the best practices and to preserve and be stewards of our natural resources like honestly like the first climate activist conservationism preservationist came out of farming um through soil conservation and then it like evolved in this process over decades as our state moved from being agrarian having urban centers to really consider like what were the impacts on our water supply and what did that mean for water quality and in some states our water quantity and how do we become those stewards and to me like that is climate activism 101 is like holding down and conserving preserving taking care of the natural resources that we have um, and protecting our landowners and our homeowners while we do that and teaching them the best practices on how to then become stewards. For other folks, um, running for soil and water is really important to combat the really ugly history that existed 
with our with USDA, the Natural Resource Conservation Service, and with Stillwater Water Districts locally, um, because historically they are in rural areas, black and brown landowners and farmers were not privy to the same resources as other um, longstanding landowners. It's a really ugly history that sort of came to a boiling point. I believe in like the 90s, late 90s, early 2000s with a settlement to black farmers who had to sue um, because they were constantly being denied um, by what was essentially a good old boys network uh, that boxed them out and prevented them from getting resources that would really help them to keep their land in the hands of their family or would help them um, be able to do the best practices to protect their water quality or get access to water on their farms and were essentially blocked out from thriving in the community. Um, I know there are attempts now to rectify that in many places, especially in my conservation district, um, where we are do our best to make sure that we support black landowners and farmers, um, women, new and beginning farmers and young farmers to ensure that they are out on the right foot and have the same resources um, that those who have been farming for generations um, sort of already are in the know about and making sure that we're not this, the best kept secret <laughs> in our communities, but that we are actively trying to make sure people know that we as elected officials, as a governing body and our, our resources to money and technical support and education to make sure that they make the right decisions um, on their land and on their property um, and get the help that they need when they need it. Talk a little bit about the district that you represent and how you fit into the overall representation of your district. Yeah, I am, <laughs> I am, in my third term with the Durham Stolen Water Conservation District. And like I mentioned earlier, it's the district that my mother um, was chair of when I was really young. And the same district director that was there when I was four years old is there now and is my district director. And I love him to pieces. Um, and the really cool thing about my community is that we were like sort of an old, sort of sleepy tobacco town. Um, Liggett Meyer um, and Lucky Strike were in downtown Durham. You could, when I was growing up, you could smell tobacco like curing <laughs> and then wafting through the streets. Um, it was just, and there were just warehouses. Um, but with the tobacco buyout, our, our city changed. Um, and now we're the city of medicine and being the city of medicine, we're, urbanizing and it's just a diversified district and our district board is just as diverse as the community we live in and I think we're really lucky to be a part of a district like that. We have 
three women women serving, so I'm not alone. Um, well, technically, sorry, we have two women serving now and three men. Um, three of us are African-American, two are white. Um, we have an academic and like entrepreneur, someone who's retired, a farmer and myself who's sort of like a nonprofit politician. Like we have such a diverse group of folks who come together under the common like banner of wanting to protect our natural resources. Um, and to make sure that our community is prepared for our changing climate and that we lift up our agricultural community and really build a local food movement and have sort of that ag economic development at the core of what we do as well and that we bring in sort of um, sort of, I don't want to say marginalized but like new and unthought of partners and organizations and folks into the field of agriculture. So we work with kids who are in like special ed at high school to make sure they understand horticulture. We work with um, our sheriff's department and our public schools to make sure that they're able to procure food from our local farmers and get our local farmers GAP certified so that they can sell um, locally as well. So we do a wide array of programming that's even outside of what is statued to us through our general statutes from the state of North Carolina to make sure that we're providing every possible resource, whether it's financial, educational, technical, um, that we're able to do that for the community that exists within our district because it's just everything from traditional century farms up to like high rises and million dollar condos, which is absurd to me, but still <laughs> um, our district is changing and our board is a reflection of that as well. Can you talk about just maybe some general, you know, best practices or things that you've learned either campaigning for yourself or working with other people on their campaigns? Yeah, so running for office and running a campaign are, I think, the core of what it is, is knowing who you are and knowing what you, what your vision is, and being able to sell that vision to others. Um, if you <laughs> run just to run, um, it doesn't usually turn out if you don't have a vision and part of having that vision is knowing where you are as well knowing your community knowing what the problems are and having that vision to solve those problems and a vision that everyone can see with you and walk forward a lot of that has to do with homework right and self-reflection and I think those are the two main parts of the campaign in the beginning the homework that you have to do is know with your vision of your community, what you are running for is you know, like what you can do within what you're running for. Like if my main goal in soul and water is education, it's like, what kind of education? Do I want to 
be on the school board instead and speak on an ecological standpoint with that or soil and water and the educational programming that it does is that the right place for me for me soul and water was the right place for me to do that and then in running the campaign knowing my community it's like how do I win you know who do I need to convince who do I need to bring along with me um, to do this and part of that was understanding in my community we have some really strong packs and our packs do a lot of the legwork we've got some really important newspaper who do a, who do a lot of the legwork and convincing voters and getting the story out so for me it's like I need to be able to convince these folks to endorse me because they are going to bring other folks along with me on this vision and to be able to do that, I had to do a lot of self-reflection as well to say, this is what I want to see for my community. And for me, it was very much that I wanted to see a drum that protected its natural resources um, because we were developing like crazy and developing unchecked without really having a sophisticated regulatory model to make sure that these developers weren't putting nutrients and sediments into our waterways and that for me knowing that our water is our most precious resource and we're embarking on a climate crisis and at the end of the day like water is life and if we didn't do everything that we could um and spread that message that water is life and help our farmers and help our urban core to ensure that they weren't putting bad things into our water, then we were doomed as a community. And that was my message and that was my vision. And knowing that I could do that through soil and water and knowing that in my community to get that message out and to get people to come along with me for that win and to buy into that vision meant that I had to share that story with those different folks. For other people, it'll be different. For other people, they'll have different homework um, where they'll have to like reach certain farm communities. Maybe they'll have to go to Farm Bureau or the Grange. Um, maybe there's a 4-H club or they have to go out to like equipment auctions. Like every community is different, but that's and every, like just like every person is different. And that's why the beginning, like the very seed of the campaign is knowing yourself and sitting with yourself and knowing your vision and like your true reason for running and knowing the community that you're in and knowing the office that you're running for and how do you does that office fit with your vision does it help you get there and then now that you have that vision how do you get to the win um but then there's like multiple other steps to running a campaign. But like at the beginning, those are the two main components. Did you go through any you know, training programs or did you have any mentor that was helping you? Or did you have a campaign manager that was helping you with some of the working out of what your vision was out of the story? When I first ran, I didn't have the support. Um, that again, like my story is a little bit different in that I had this knowledge that my mom had done it. And so it didn't seem unattainable. And then I could easily just sort of follow along 
in her footsteps and follow along and what she had done. And just from those memories, I was able to do it. I think the tough part for me was in that first run, my mom who supported me and loved me wasn't really active because she wanted me to learn um, the lessons and learn as I went and make mistakes for myself and figure out ways to solve them. Um, I was lucky enough in my second year to have a woman named Trisha Cotham, who was a state representative, just a couple of years older than me, um, bring me into a network called the Young Elected Officials Network so I wouldn't be by myself um, and feel like I was governing in a vacuum where there were no other young people <laughs> because there were no other young people. And she and I were quickly find out, found out that there were a couple other young women across the state of North Carolina where we could talk to and share. But throughout most of my tenure, it was really a process of trying to find a mentor and trying to find resources. And I'm really, really over the moon that over the last decade, more of those resources and trainings have um, developed across the country so that other women don't have to go through some of the tougher aspects of governing and running a campaign um, and that I did and that women before me did. I mean, like it was a rough road when I was running and when I got elected the first time, I was called like, hey, that colored gal over there, or uh, hey, little girl, like a lot of really ugly, ugly things. Um, and I felt like I wasn't going to be able to be effective and felt like I might not win in some circumstances, even when I was running for re-election. And I hope with tools out there today, like Vote Run Lead, where that women don't ever have to feel like that they're alone and that they don't have the resources, but they feel confident and have the tools to run really impactful and effective winning campaigns. Um, but when I first got out there, and I think that's the reason why I decided to mentor and to like bring other folks along with me so that I wasn't alone, was because I was honestly just sort of marking time by myself and trying to figure it out by myself and really searching for a collective that I was happy to find. Um, but there were some really lonely, lonely periods before that. And now no one should have to go through that. There are plenty of resources, really amazing resources that create instant like networks and instant community and um, ready and available resources like this um, to build up that confidence for the win. You know, how do you, how do you, find people to help you, help hold you up in a time when it is difficult and lonely and challenging. So running for office and being elected to office is demanding and sometimes 
the community and folks have this vision that when you're elected, you're just elected, or if you're campaigning, you're just the candidate, and not that you're like a fully actualized whole being who is complex and um, intersectional in nature, um, dealing with balancing job or family or life or illness or any of the crazy things that happen with being a human being. Um, so it is critical to have strong support net networks. And for me, I was lucky to grow up in a community that embraced me because my mom was an elected official. Um, so for honestly for like the first half of my elected term I was like oh you're Stella's daughter oh you're TC's daughter like oh my gosh I remember when you were yay high um and those sort of things but they made sure they like look out for me and make sure I wasn't too harmed and I mentioned I think previously that um, the district director of my soul and water district now that I am, am the vice chair of he was the district director when I was four years old, um, and he was incredibly important in wrapping his arms around me and making sure that when we got into sort of tough spots with people who were a little bit too ugly for their own good um, in the way they treated me, um, that he would provide cover. Um, I have that same thing. I have a strong, close-knit family, so when I'm frustrated or um, if I don't know what to do next, I have two parents who are in politics and two brothers who are super smart and we could talk through as a family sort of the mess that I was in and think through what the right next steps were. And then I think also at like the core when I was developing in the process um, in running, I had, I was in college. So I had professors and a best friend who walked with me the whole way through the campaign <laughs> to the when. <laughs> and when I became elected, I found other incredible women who I could sit there and talk to about issues you wouldn't think about, but issues like dating and being elected. <laughs> like, I'm an elected official. I can't have a dating profile. That's crazy. <laughs> like, how do I meet a person and say, I'm an elected official. That's my job. Let's date. Um, and I could talk to you about like the stress of being called a little girl or, hey, that colored girl or um, being dismissed or ignored. Or if I was sick, you know, could talk to you about not feeling well or feeling stressed or pulled in too many directions um so like in every like aspect of myself that is like multi-dimensional and multi-faceted and um I had groups that I found who were connected and who supported me in the same way and I think honestly I wouldn't have made it through three terms of elected office if I hadn't have found other women who were running campaigns or who were in office, who um, shared stories and had victories or, you know, shared their best practices or that I could just call in the middle of the night and 
complain to and hear that I wasn't crazy pants, but there was someone else who was going through the exact same thing, but we were going to be there together because also like being an elected official can be lonely if you, you know, and it's sometimes difficult to explain to your other friends because they don't really understand the pressure. Like, no, I swore an oath on the constitution. Ah. (laughs) And then you find someone else who swore an oath on the constitution. You're like, this is crazy, fans. How do we do it? And um, so, yeah, those networks are really, really important. And I always suggest that anyone who wants to run for office, um, and anyone who is elected, if you haven't found your tribe, find your tribe, find your people and hold on to them because you will need them. And I know I have needed them through my 11 years of service. So can you talk about how do you deal with people who are you know, saying negative things about you? Um, you know, what would you say to a woman who wants to run but is afraid of that part of it? Yeah, um, people are ugly. <laughs> a lot of people are super amazing and incredible. And some people are really ugly. And the ones who are really ugly tend to be the loudest or the ones we seem to hear more. Um, when I was young and first starting out, People, mostly older men, to be honest, because my stormwater supervisors are like in 60s and 70s and older men. Um, And just to give you background, when I started, there were 16 African Americans out of about 500 of us and 33 women out of about 500 of us. So my like, oh, you're kind of like me, <laughs> grouping was super small in uh, the world of where I was. And honestly, that just made me work harder um, to be heard more. I had someone tell me that when I spoke, I sounded too smart and too smart for my own good, so I should speak less um, and that people would like me more if I did that. Um, some of the most condescending <laughs> and disrespectful and ugly things um, that they would say. But again, I would work harder. Some folks may take that stuff to heart. Um, but I think I knew that a lot of that ugliness came out of fear. And a lot of that fear was just fear of change or fear of being irrelevant or fear of something different. Um, whether it was a different idea, a different um, vision from their vision, uh, a different world, and that I just had to like combat that fear with working hard. Um, the way that I handled the, those initial things may be different than the way other people would have because I was dealing with older um older gentlemen who were more rural than I was and had been farming for a long time and were sort of set in their ways. I just doubled down on respect. Like, you can say whatever you want to me, but I'm going to respect you and I'm going to do my work um, instead of being combative and fighting back. 
I don't know if <laughs> 10 years, 11 years in, Danielle would do that same thing. Like now I have zero tolerance for any of that. <laughs> and I will quickly tell somebody about themselves and their mama and the way they were raised. But in the beginning, um, when I think it was most jarring for me, um, and I was new, it was one of those things where I'm like, I'm just going to outwork you. Like you've been here, people know your name, but I'm going to outwork you. And you're going to start calling me Danielle. You're going to start respecting the, what I do. And it happened, uh, three years into running or not running three years into serving. I was named the supervisor of the year for the entire state, which meant all those men who said all those things to me. Um, they elected me. They picked me to be the person who was the best of them um, in my third year. And i super grateful for, <laughs> for that. Um, but I worked hard and I earned it. Um, I would say for anyone else, finding your tribe and finding your community to talk to you and finding folks who will have your back, who will keep for you, who will like shut that down um is always really important i think some of the best advice i got in my time was that this woman angela rye who's on she's a tv pundit now but before she was a hill staffer she would her advice was you need to find bulldogs you need to find bulldogs pit bulls for yourself who'll go after people for you um like so who are those enforcers who are those people who are going to have your back so that you can continue and focus on your vision and on your job. And I, I guess that's my advice too, like find those people who are going to surround you and love on you, but who are also going to like push back, um, especially if you're not ready to do that yourself. Um, and then maybe you'll get to the point where you're like me and you're just like, I don't know who you are. You sit down and keep your mouth shut or I'll put soap in it or something like that to like, um, cut down on the crazy because I, I know for a fact that I do good work and I'm honestly the best of them. <laughs> so no one can talk down to me now. Um, and I got a room full of honestly three, 400 people who now have my back and the ones who talk crazy are the outliers instead of the rule. So, yeah. I think the advice I would give to anyone who's, on the fence about running is that you should absolutely run. <laughs> You're more qualified than you think. Um, if you do your homework, if you sit with yourself and you feel called to do it, if you have a vision that makes your community better and you find an office that is aligned and helps you meet that vision, you do your homework so you know what you got to do to get there and you build your network and you find your support then you should do it you should just absolutely do it if no one's going to tell you or ask you to run i'm asking and i'm telling you to run um like now <laughs> like like just just do it it really um the worst thing that can happen is that people know your name and that some people will buy into your vision and then there'll be more of you and you keep going aboard and you make your community better. Um, Cause that's what running for office is about for those people who run just to have a title and to have a name and to have power and influence. Look, those are not who we want. 
like we should want to build power for the community that we belong to. And if you want to do that, and if that's where your heart is, and you feel called to be the person at the table making decisions so that you can build community and build power, sorry, for the folks who are around you, the voice, folks who don't have the voice, they need to get things done, and you want to do that, then do it. Like, don't hesitate. I promise you, you should think about, well, I don't know if this translates well, but I, my thought is, what would a white man do? And a white man would just run. So I'm like, all right. Like, wouldn't think twice. You'd be like, oh, I went to a thing at one time. That means I'm an expert. And you know what? Like, I've been doing things, whether it's being a community at your church or in your family and leading in your family, whether it's leading in your friend group, you are qualified to be able to move things forward. And there are resources and tools to help you get there. And there are people who want to keep you, who want to surround you with support and love and who will work for you um, if your heart and your vision is in the right place on how you want to lead. And so you should run and you should do it now. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Um. <laughs> Is there anything that you want to mention as like a way to follow you or follow your work or um, any resources that you personally feel comfortable share? Um, yeah, if you want to learn more about soil and water conservation districts, um, please look at the National Association for Conservation Districts, and they'll talk about all of our education programs for elementary, middle, and high school students and college students. Um, if you want to know more about my district, we're the Durham Soil and Water Conservation District in Durham, North Carolina. And you can find us on the Durham County um, page at deco.nc.gov. No, crazy or deco Durham County um if you want to follow me my Twitter is mostly about sport and politics um and climate change and if you want to follow me on Twitter uh, my Twitter is at Danielle Adams NC and if you want to follow me on Instagram which is mostly me complaining about things it's um Imani I-M-A-N-I underscore Asako, A-S-A-K-O. And I look forward to hearing from you. If you have any questions or concerns, please reach out to us. Um, if you especially want to learn more about soil and water um, on our district page. And I look forward to your future run and supporting you as well. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Women, Food, and Agriculture Network's Plate to Politics podcast. Our theme music is by Expendable Friend, and the song is Song for Remen. Thank you to our sponsor, Rachel's Network, for making this audio leadership training program available to the women in our network. We hope you'll tune in next time, and until then, please go to wfan.org slash plate2politics for more resources.